Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Speed 50 seconds away from the postseason. Shoveled down to center. Here's Kopitar. Wrist shot off the rush and a save made on Brzezinski by Cam Talbot. The desperate Kings working around the end boards. Martinez. 35 seconds to go. Kopitar deep left corner. Crowd in an absolute frenzy. The puck pinned in the corner. Four players digging at it. Work free to Martinez. One timer up top. Kick save made by Talbot. 20 seconds. To go, wrist shot, save Talbot, rebound, top of the blue paint, wrist shot, Martinez, save Talbot, Kopitar bangs it off the back of the net, 12 seconds, wrist shot, Martinez, save made by Cam Talbot, who freezes the puck with 11.9 to go. A couple of you texted that you hadn't heard that, and I figured those of you who already have heard wouldn't mind hearing it again. Incredible play-by-play by Jack Michaels last night here on 630 Chet and the Oilers Radio Network. The Oilers are in. Where will they finish? Well, we'll find out over the next week and a half. They play San Jose tomorrow. Coverage will start at 5.30 here on Ched. Certainly a lot of emotion here in Edmonton over uh, the last 24 hours as the Oilers clinch a playoff spot. We're going to keep on with the emotional theme, though... Kind of a different angle to this. Important thing here is our lives. Walk away, run away, get out of Fort McMurray, move north if you are, uh, if you can, move south if you have to, but get out of Fort McMurray. Now is not the time to try to be a hero and stay behind. Now is the time to flee, take what you can, and save your lives. I've heard from family that my house, my house is burning or has already burnt down. Uh, I am not concerned about it. It's a home that I've had since um, 2003, 2000. Just a little bit of the uh, audio of the story we told you the first week of May in 2016, uh, that uh, horrific fire blazing through Fort McMurray. And we're going to get an update on the community and, of course, on Inside Sports. We're going to look at it from a, a sporting angle because there are some pretty special stories to tell in that community. First of all, uh, Tom Kekka is the head coach of the Fort McMurray Oil Barons of the Alberta Junior Hockey League. Tom, you're on with Reed. Thanks for making time for me. Hey, thanks a lot. I, I appreciate it. And also on the line from the Fort McMurray Monarchs men's football team, Kwame Osei. Kwame, you're on with Reed. Good to talk to you. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Hey, guys, thanks so much for coming on and, and for figuring out. Uh, I know you're both busy uh, and for being able to come on together because I, I really wanted to uh, update. You know, and I know the I know the one-year thing is coming up and a lot of outlets are going to be working on that, but I thought this was an appropriate week to do it. Uh, Tom, your team had a great season, and, and you're going to host the North Final Game 1 starting on Friday against, uh, against White Court. 
when you hear that audio and, and you came on the show last year and talked about, you know, wondering about how you were going to get your family out of town, I, I mean, are the memories still a little surreal to you, or or how have you how have you been through the recovery here? Well, it, it's funny. I've been listening to that piece on the radio. Both pieces, you go from one spectrum to the other. Listen to Jack Michael. I remember a little kid cheering for the Oilers, you know, in the heyday. So it's one of, of um, extreme joy and happiness. And then you hear that the last piece, obviously, and it, it, it sort of brings you back to, you know, the emotions that we went through here um, a year ago. I, I, it, it's going to be very interesting to see when May 3rd comes up how the city um, approaches it. Uh, I know that there are some people that, you know, we want to celebrate all the acts of heroism, you know, that by so many different people. And yet there's some people I know that would rather, um, you know, forget that day. But it, it's something that shapes your, your identity. Um, I think that what we've shown as a community, it's something that I've known because I've lived here my entire life, is that this is a remarkable community. Um, you know, we're comprised of people from all over the world that come to Fort McMurray, hopefully to forge themselves, a, you know, a better life. Um, this is a very passionate community. And, and um, the rebuild will probably take a little bit longer than what we had hoped. But, but you know, we're extremely proud of, of, of everybody here that's come back to Fort McMurray. Kwame, your your story and your team's story is a pretty incredible one. I mean, that happened in May, and that wasn't long before the Monarch season started. Um, I mean, I mean I'll, I'll kind of let you tell it, because it does have a pretty incredible ending, obviously. But how did that impact your football season that was imminent? What, were there thoughts of, of not having a team, or what did you have to do to get rolling? Uh, just like... Uh... Just like what Tom said, that when you played um, that clip, I just had a flashback of the events of that day also. And uh, one thing I, I remember the day after um, the evacuation, Jesse Maddox, the, the president and owner of the team, uh, sent, sent a, a message on Facebook to all the guys asking uh, who, who is still down to, to go forward with the team, uh, with the season. And honestly, there was only maybe one person on that whole uh, Facebook page, just that they wouldn't be able to take part in, in the season. So everybody was down um, 100% for, for the for the Fort Murray Monarchs, mainly because it was an opportunity for us to represent Fort Murray and, and help, help the rebuild process uh, emotionally by giving entertainment to our city. Um, we, we, had, we had a very difficult situation in terms of figuring out practice times, we, uh, our guys were displaced in, in Edmonton, Calgary, um, and the Lloyd Minister areas, and uh, we had to find a central spot to have our practices. So we, we had our practices in Edmonton to start off and a few games with, in Edmonton, and we were very fortunate, actually, to get equipment donated by the Edmonton uh, Eskimos, uh, Calgary Stampeders, and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And uh, Edmonton even gave us their, their jerseys to wear for the first three games because uh, we lost our jerseys due to the fire. So uh, that, that, was a, that was a great feeling uh, for the guys just to know that we had support from three CFL teams and the support of, obviously, the, the city of Fort McMurray. And uh, ultimately, we ended up winning uh, the Alberta Championship we beat Red Deer in Red Deer for the championship, and we had the national championship game in September here in Fort Mac at Shell Place against the GTA All-Stars, and we finished off the, the, the season in a remarkable way and uh, definitely uh, uh, um, something that's worth worth movie movie talk, uh, beating the GTA All-Stars and becoming national champions. Uh, so it was, a, it was a great season and um, definitely an emotional roller coaster, but 
uh, it was worthwhile as a team. I mean, that's incredible to, to go from obviously a little bit of doubt about can we even have a team to be able to win not just the Alberta title, but then the national title at at home. Kwame, was that your only actual home game of the year in terms of playing in Fort McMurray? Uh, no, we that we had about three games you got a couple, okay. um, at home after uh, after the fire. So we initially got back into the city uh, late July. And we had three games since, and the, the first game was was, uh, was packed uh, with a lot of people from the city, and we we paid tribute to the the first first responders uh, at our game also. Kwame and Tom, I'm not leaving you out, but I just wanted to get, get this no. angle here from from Kwame. I mean, when what was the reaction from from fans and citizens in Fort McMurray? Was there ever any? How can you possibly worry about a football team at a time like this? Or was it like, no, let's feel normal, let's gather and watch a sporting event? What was that like? You know, sometimes sports, sports is, is, a, is a form of therapy and, and, and coping. You know, we understood that uh, in order to bring the community together, you got to be doing something, you know. And our, our, our mentality was to give, give them hope, uh, give them entertainment, give them something to cheer for. So that was, that was, the, that was the drive behind uh, uh, the team and and even the kids in the city who who were in, in who were uh, back from the evacuation. I, I'm I'm a high school coach, so I can tell you that my my players uh, attended attended the games with not pretty much. Oh man, these guys are still playing after everything that's happened. So it, it was it was a more more so also a form of inspiration for the younger generation. You know, um, we're all going to have our ups and downs, uh, but it's about adapting and conquering every obstacle that comes our way, right? So um, that that was a message I sent to my kids, and I know the other coaches that are affiliated with the Monarchs that also coach uh, high school teams were, were relaying that type of message also. Yeah, that's incredible. Tom, you know one of the sayings, and just for background here, uh, for listeners, Tom and I have known each other for about uh, 12 or 13 <laughs> years because he used to coach the Lloydminster Junior A team, and you know one of my favorite sayings, especially in university and uh, and junior A hockey, is you can win a lot of games in the summer by recruiting well, getting kids to your community. I mean, look, Fort McMurray is a, a larger city. I think it's always been an appealing place for uh, for for kids to go, and and there's quite a history of success there. But did did anything change? You know, trying to attract 16, 17 year olds over this past summer, or what, did that become a challenge because of the fire? You know, I probably as a coach made more of a deal than what the recruits that we were going after. Uh, you're worried about how you're going to get them up here after, you know, the publicity, um, you know, that Fort McMurray got. But but really, um, it, there was one player in particular who's, whose dad I spoke to over the phone, and he said, you know what, Kex, this is going to be a great um, learning experience for my son, more than just what he's going to learn on the ice. Um, you know, when we recruit players to Fort McMurray, we always tell them, we're going to hopefully make you a better hockey player, but we're going to make you a better person as well. It's a fantastic community. We're going to teach you about time management. We're going to teach you about giving back to the community, being involved in schools and in different charities and so forth. And the dad actually relayed to me, says, no, he really wants to go. He wants to be a part of this um, rebuild that, that has taken place this year. And I totally agree with Guami. Sports is, is an outlet for people just to get a release. And I think it's a release for the actual participants in the sport but more so even just for the fan base. And, and those fan base that, you know, want to just get away for a couple hours, um, they can come to a Friday or Saturday night evening to the Kasman Center, hopefully put all of their worries behind them, come out, uh, enjoy some wobbly pops, um, 
you know, our hope was that we could give them an entertaining brand of hockey, something that they could be proud of, and it could be a rallying point for our community. And, and we were very fortunate to to have the composition of, of players that we had this year. I think that in any sport and any team, you have to have great leadership, which is a you know one of the qualities that that's essential. But you can have the best leaders that you want. If you don't have followers, you're really not going to get anywhere. And I think that the mixture that we had on our roster this year with, with leaders like Brandon Ralph, Tanner Miller, Will, Will Conley, and Jordan Steenberg, who, who wore letters for us, but, but our younger players that were new to the community to come in and embrace um, everything that was taking place, I think just speaks volume for the character that we have in our dressing room. Uh, Tom, I'm going to ask you to hang on the line. I'm going to wrap up first, though, with with Kwame because I know you're. Uh, I, th- I think you're you're teaching, you're coaching tonight. So thanks for fitting us in. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, I mean, are you already prepping for a for a new uh, Monarch season? Is the energy still there after so much emotion last year? Yeah, right now uh, we're prepping for the for the season. Um, I'm more focused on high school season right now, but uh, we Monarchs have started their indoor training, and uh, I know our first game is late late May, so we're definitely hoping to um, go back back to back to the ship and uh, have a back to back season. Kwame, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate it. All right, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. All right, that was Kwame Osei from the uh, well, the high school stuff, but that angle, the Fort McMurray Monarchs, who got through the whole fire ordeal and won the men's football national championship last season. We're going to keep Tom Kekka on the line because I want to get a little bit of chat about what's going on in the AJHL. That's when we get back inside sports on Ched. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chat. Well, that's fitting. A former AJHL MVP bringing us back from commercial, and we have the reigning AJHL Coach of the Year on the line, Tom Kekka from the Fort McMurray Oil Barons. Tom, thanks again for sticking around. It's great to catch up with you. Uh, I got I mean, I, I knew that the, the Monarchs won the football national title, but I was getting emotional listening to Kwame tell the story about how they uh, battled through all that stuff. Uh, I, I mean, is there how how do you deal with the the daily reminders of of the fire in Fort McMurray? I mean, it's, there's like buildings missing, things still still burnt. I mean, you just you just yeah. can't escape it. You know, you can't, and, and there's a couple areas, obviously, that got hit much harder than certain areas, so to be honest with you, I feel bad saying this, but I tried to stay away from those areas at the start, um, brought back a lot of memories. One of the areas where one of the oldest rinks in town is um, was absolutely leveled, Beacon Hill, but yet the rink was still standing, and um, I remember driving in the very first time, taking my son to his uh, time trial, and thinking to myself, holy smoke, it really hit home, and, and it was an area that had one of the first homes that I lived in here in town. I've been here basically my whole life, and it's pretty hard. But I think that, again, we're a very resilient community that, that you know, likes to just keep moving ahead, and, and we will rebuild. Um, but I think that it's also important to, to remember that, you know, your, your history sort of gives you the foundation of your identity, but it's still important to always keep your eyes, uh, you know, up and, and in front of you and, and keep trying to, to, you know, move forward. Tom, I mean, I mentioned you're the coach of the year. Uh, you guys have had a great season. You're going to have home ice advantage in the North Final against White Court. Uh, you and I got to know each other when you were coaching in Lloyd Minster. Uh, the the uh, the Lloyd team was was not very good when you were the coach. Obviously, uh, well, I mean, hey, I got to tell stuff though, like it, it was. was. Yeah, I, I always blame the coach. It was just easier right. that way. Of course, you should. <laughs> but sorry, go ahead. 
No, 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 go ahead. <laughs> but, you know, you have that year-to-year experience. Some years are good, some years are down. Uh, you're dealing with a lot of young athletes who sometimes can mature quickly or sometimes lose focus quickly. I mean, you also mentioned being a big Oilers fan, and they've taken a good step forward this year. What's yeah. your experience of uh, that different feel around a good team uh, or a struggling team? I mean, I know if it was easy to put your finger on it, you would just do it every year and win every year. But but how do you look at uh, you know transitioning and maturing as a, as a team? Well, I think as a, as a coach, it, it's a buzzword we always use, but it's making sure that you've established the right culture in your dressing room. And I think that you know every year as coaches, you struggle about picking a leadership group. I know that we have um, weekly meetings with with our guys, and we you know we want to make sure that the message that we're trying to send from our coach's office is, is getting through to the dressing room. And while sometimes it has to be delivered by the coaches, sometimes it has to come from the players themselves. And you need to be on the same page with your leadership group. So we've been very blessed this year to have that you know that leader uh, in our room that that is you know made sure that we do things the right way. And we talk about a a 60-game schedule in the Alberta Junior Hockey League or an NHL season, um, it's all about the process. Um, it's not about the individual games. And as long as you've established that foundation in September to build on, um, you know, that's going to pay dividends come March and, you know, in April. And we tell our guys, even with, let's say, for, for dry land training, if I want to be stronger tomorrow, um, I can't do 500 push-ups today. I'm not going to be stronger tomorrow. I'm going to be sore. But if I do, you know, 50 push-ups, you know, five months earlier every day, then I'm going to be stronger. Um, so I, I know that we tried to instill in our players that we wanted to set the bar at a certain level the very first practice when we got together. And every day we just wanted to push the bar just a little bit every single day. And when you've got 20 or 23 guys or however many are on your roster, if everybody pushes a little bit, it's a lot harder. And I think our success is, is a direct result of the team attitude and, and you know that willingness to go the extra mile. Um, you know, and, and, it, and like I said, we're extremely proud of the players that, that we've got in that dressing room um, starting here against Whitecourt on Friday night. All right, and Whitecourt coached by Gord Thibodeau, and, uh, you know, you were his assistant coach in the past. He became the winningest coach in the history of the league earlier this season. We had him on Inside Sports to celebrate that. I mean, can you and Gord uh, trick each other, actually out-coach each other at this point in your careers, yeah. given how well you know each other? It's funny, today in my meeting, I told my players, if if you guys are hoping that I'm going to be able to out-coach Gord Thibodeau uh, to win the series, um, then we're in trouble. Um, you know, we've got a saying where it's, the hay is in the barn. As a coaching staff, we've prepared our players. Now, really, the onus is on the players, and it's the team that's willing to, to skate a little bit faster, to, to compete a little bit longer. Uh, that's the team that's going to be successful. This is not about, about coaching. Um, so, so my, I made my players very aware that uh, I don't have any tricks up my sleeve to out-coach Gortibito. Gord and I are, you know, our best friends, and, and I've got, you know, tremendous amount of respect for him. He's one of the best coaches in all of junior hockey, not just in the Alberta Junior Hockey League. So I, I hope that my players uh, are not counting on me to out-coach him. Well, it's going to be fun. I'm definitely going to be following the, the, the series. I know it's going to be a good one. And, Tom, thanks to you and Kwame for coming on and just updating uh, – you know, the role of, of sports in, in helping Fort McMurray uh, get through the damage from the fire. And I, and I know the community is still getting through it, but I, but I think you told a very positive story tonight. Thank you so much for coming on. Listen, I really appreciate you having me on, Ray. Take care.
as Tom Kekka, head coach of the Fort McMurray Oil Barons. And you also heard from Kwame Osei, who is with the uh, Fort McMurray Monarchs men's football team. And they overcame the fire to win the national title. NHL action tonight. Calgary up 1-0 on L.A. That's in the first period. Chicago in Pittsburgh with a 4-0 lead halfway through the game. The scoreboard is for Crystal Glass. For all your glass needs, visit crystalglass.ca. A couple of other games still to come tonight. We'll have a comment from Oilers GM Peter Shirelli. When we get back, and we'll catch up with one of the all-time greats from the U of A. It's Inside Sports on Chet. This is Oscar Clef from, from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to the Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chat. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on 630, Chad. Really appreciate having the coaches from uh, Fort McMurray on the show. That's uh, been a pretty incredible story there. Going to be fun following the AJHL playoffs, uh, of course, in the uh, senior hockey. I mentioned this last week, Lacombe off to the Allen Cup, so we'll follow that story as we move along as well. Warren Mulvey is our studio producer on the other side of the window this evening. Warren, old boy, how's it going? I'm doing all right. How are you? Good. Were you working last night, or did you get to watch the Oilers game, or or listen to Jack and Bob, or what's going on? I got to listen to, or rather, watch most of it. Uh, it was it was an outstanding game. How about that call by Jack? Eh? Oh, we're going to be using that a lot. Yeah, I I I just worship that man. I just <laughs> uh, I'd love to do what he does one day. So hearing He's- that. He's incredible. He's incredible. Peter Shirelli has done a really good job of putting the team together. He was on Oilers Now with Stoffer earlier today, and, uh, yeah, he definitely changed the dynamic of the squad. Uh, it, it, it really is. It, it, and, and in this business, Bob, you learn that even as a manager, while we're, we're, we're trained and we, we learn to, to look forward in our planning, um, I find out, I've found out personally other GMs and coaches like you're almost as good as your last shift. So you, you, you're always kind of looking over your shoulder. So when you see you see this progression that we've had this year and it kind of dovetails with with what we plan to, 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 to do, it, it, it's gratifying. Yeah, it's gratifying. And, and uh, you know, when you, when you start moving bodies around and you're, you're affecting people's lives and, and although it's a business, it's, it's tough. It's a tough task to do. And so, it, 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 yeah, I mean, today's a feel-good day. <laughs> I can say that unequivocally. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully there are more to come. The full interview with Peter Shirelli on the Oilers Now page on 630Ched.com. You can sign up for the podcast as well. Inside Sports has a podcast, which also gets you overtime open line that Rob Brown and I do after every Oilers game. I'm pleased to welcome back to the 630Ched studio one of the uh, greatest U of A athletes ever. I know he probably doesn't like me saying that, but that's my opinion. Played for the Golden Bears basketball team, and he's doing some great work with basketball in Edmonton now. It is Jordan Baker. Hello, Jordan. Hi, Reed. How's it going? Doing great. It's great to see you again. Life's good. I mean, you're doing tons of stuff with basketball, Alberta, and and and, uh, and uh, high school ball in the city. Yeah. Well, I mean, being sent home uh, from my contract in Japan due to a 
kind of a severe jaw injury. I'm just trying to stay busy and stay involved uh, with the game in Edmonton. Now, t- tell us about that. And I know it didn't work out the way you wanted, but uh, I mean, you and I have done a, f- a few of these interviews. Some- sometimes we got to talk about good games. Sometimes we got to talk about bad games. Because uh, we talked in the summer, and you were going to play, and it was a, a pro opportunity. I think you would have been your second year pro or third. Third year, year pro. Third year pro, because you were in Europe the first two. Yeah. So you were going to Japan. You were excited. And then, like, did it just did the injury just never let you get off the ground, or, or how did it how did it go here? Um, well, we were there. We had a pretty long preseason, um, so I was there for two months. And then, in our last preseason game, right before we were about to kick the season off, I uh, took an elbow uh, right in the jaw and um, was forced to fly home, have surgery, um, be wired for for six weeks, and then unable to play for a few months. So the team. I uh, was forced to bring in a new import, and, and that kind of ended my season. But they just allowed one import per team? Uh, it was... The rules were a little bit interesting, actually. The uh, the first and third quarter, you're only allowed one import on the floor. Second and fourth, you're allowed two on the floor. Oh, so they actually count... So you could have six on the roster, but only somebody yeah. can play at a time. Yeah, so we had two on the roster, myself and, and an American, um, but... You know, they, they had to bring in a little more firepower once I was, was sidelined. Now, could could he, like, if you started the game, could he sub in for you in the first quarter, or is it just he's the only one that could, pl- you could you're the only one that could play in yeah, the first Yeah, you, you could swap imports. So you knew you were only going in and out for each other, yeah. though, in the yeah. first. Th- okay, that, that's an interesting rule. What was, from what you experienced in Japan, what was the, the quality of the basketball compared to the European leagues you were in? Uh, a lot different. Um the Japanese league is is very small and guard dominated. Mm-hmm. Um, you know they're bringing in imports are exclusively you know power forwards and centers trying to get some size on the floor. So uh, certain teams you know they're looking to get those guys the basketball every single possession and letting them create from the block or the high post. Um, and then you know the Japanese players are, are usually pretty good shooters, can penetrate and kick. Um, pretty well, but it's very guard dominated, very uh, fast pace, and you know they're trying to get up and down and get some easy ones on you. Okay, uh, I, I nearly fainted when you said there's a two month preseason. Like seriously, you're playing exhibition games for that, or, is, or are you including the training camp or what? Yeah, the training camp was uh, a month and a half of two a days. Um, each of the practices was three hours. Um, <laughs> So and it was in a gym, it was in a gym. They're wearing guys out before the yeah. season starts. It was in a gym, um, you know, thirty four degrees above, and you know, what 90, city ninety percent. I was in a northern city. Okay, um, Morioka was the name of the city, but uh, yeah, the, it's so humid and so hot there. I mean, you you jog up and down one length of the court, and you're you're drenched. So it was it was an exhausting preseason, and you know, I was really excited to get into the actual games, um, and actually in the game where. I took a blow to the face. Um, the coach kind of came up to me and he said, hey, we're going to try to keep you healthy for the season, so you're only going to get a couple shifts in this game. And uh, first shift out there, uh, unfortunately, I was injured. Was it a dirty elbow or just inadvertent? Um, I, I've watched the video a few times, um, and it looks inadvertent, but there had been a couple of instances where, you know, I was playing aggressive defense then came down the other way, and we were kind of going back and forth, and then... Um, it kind of cumulated. Japanese player or another import? Uh, import. Another import. Yeah. Canadian? Uh, American. <laughs> American, of course. Yeah. Every, every listing is just like, yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, all right, so <laughs> how, how did you, how, how, and I know you only got to be there a couple months, how did you uh, enjoy the, the lifestyle or the culture uh, in, in, in Japan? Was, there, it, was it a difficult transition or did you feel like, oh, it's pretty cool? 
obviously the language is a big thing. There's not a ton of, of English speakers in Japan,、um, especially where I was. But, you know, culturally, the Japanese people are very polite and very respectful. And, you know, they did whatever they could to help me feel at home. And, and so, you know, the adjustment was very easy.、Uh, the food there is awesome.、Um, and, you know, the weather was, was hot, but, you know, that's something you kind of got to deal with. All right, so you're there for basically in the fall, I guess, late summer, fall.、Mm-hmm. You got to come home because of the injury. I know in your university career, and I used to broadcast your games,、uh, I think in your third year you had a back injury that kept fourth you out. Year. Fourth, fourth year. year kept、yeah. you out of most of the second half of the season. Yep. How do, you, how do you mentally deal with the injury? I mean, physically, you, you get steps to recover.、Mm-hmm. How do you mentally deal with it? Um, well, for me, I just tried to stay as busy as I could.、Um, the biggest thing was, was actually physically not being able to open my mouth and, and eat.、Um, you know, so everything has to be essentially sucked through the holes in your teeth because of you know, the wires on your, on your, on your gums.、Um, so that was a big thing. I lost you know, up to 30 pounds、um, with my mouth being wired shut.、Um, but I, what I tried to do was just you know, stay active. Um, in the basketball community in Edmonton. I was a, an assistant coach this year at my old high school, Harry Ainley, with George Hoyt. So, you know, he gave me the opportunity to, to give back a little bit, stay involved,、um, and, you know, just, just kind of get out of the house once in a while. All right, Jordan Baker joining us inside sports on 6 30. Chet, I know you got some exciting things coming up. I mean, you're, you're 25, so I assume you're looking for another, or do you maybe have a pro deal for next year already?、Um, nothing yet, no. But you, you will. You'll, you'll get something. Potentially. But how has, what was it like? Taking on the coach's role, and all of a sudden you're working with young men who were in your situation like eight years ago. You were them. Yeah. Right? How did you enjoy that role?、Um, you know, I have a, a newfound respect for, for George、um, <laughs> at Harry Inley having to deal with, you know, that high school age player for so many years and, and you know, still being committed to it. And I think this, is, this was his 11th year at Harry Inley.、Um, and, you know, he was at East Glen before that. So he's had a lot of experience and he's. Uh, got a lot of patience for, for drilling the same things into these young players. You know, it takes more than just one practice of, of teaching help side defense to get it, get it down. So, you know, he's certainly earned my respect in terms of, you know, you've got to go over something not just once or twice. It's got to be an every week thing, an everyday thing to try to create those habits to make the players who are able to play at the next level. I mean, you, you obviously know the game yourself. Uh, I mean, because you didn't just score because of your physical abilities. You also scored because of your brain and, and your work ethic. And I saw, I saw you do it weekend after weekend with the Golden Bears. So, and I'm sure you had automatic respect because they would know who you were and, and, and what you'd achieved in your career. But did you, were there challenges for you to communicate your knowledge and experience to them? You know, like to do it effectively as opposed to say, well, just like to actually get them to latch on to the, your message? Well, it, it had been a long time since I'd. You know, been at that high school level. And so some of the things that I was hoping to, to contribute were almost a little bit too advanced for the players that、mm-hmm. we had on our team. You know, you'd like to be able to teach certain reads, but there's fundamentals that need to be addressed first. And so for me, it was having to kind of take that step backwards and saying, okay, now we need to establish, you know, the correct footwork, how to catch a basketball, how to put it on your hip, get it in the right spot before we can teach that next step, which is where I think. Um, you know, my international experience is really going to help. So for me, it was the matter of, you know, breaking it down, getting back to basics, and making sure these, these kids had the right habits、um, right from the foundation.
having been on uh, you know the U of A teams, most of which were very good. I think your your worst team at the U of A was ten and ten. So you're always yeah. you're always pretty five hundred or better. You played. Uh, what in one national final and a couple national semifinals, if I'm remembering yep. correctly, um, and, and you know even to even to tie this into what's going on with the city now and the Oilers talking about changing their dynamic and and having more trust and more of an even keel attitude in the in the dressing room. How, how do you you know sort of weigh that uh, given some of your team experience? Because you have to have the talent, but some teams with talent uh, don't perform exactly. as well as you would think. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, for, for, from my experience, it was a lot to do with kind of the expectations that were placed upon you. And, and in Edmonton, you know, the Oilers, there's no um, team aside from maybe Toronto that's more scrutinized um, in the league. So, you know, to have those expectations, you know, they missed the playoffs so many years in a row. Now there's, it wasn't, the expectations weren't as high as they could have been. Um, and, you know, like you mentioned, there's, there's a lot of talent in that dressing room. So they came together. And from my experience, if you, start rolling a little bit and you start thinking you know hey maybe we've got something going the confidence is at an all-time high and and now the the expectations don't really factor in so now you're playing with a lot of confidence and you've got some some veteran guys that they've brought in the offseason as well as you know mcdavid who's doing a lot of good stuff um you know if the the talent can just roll with that that confidence and, and stay on track i think um, you know, that's when you're you're poised for a great season. So you acknowledge the the impact of confidence, and certainly you would have had games where you probably were, were were feeling it more than others. Now, again, to go back to you getting back into the high school environment now as an adult, mm-hmm. did you notice things like uh, you know body language, work ethic, probably more so than you did when you were actually that age? Yeah, um, I mean, there's there's going to be certain nights when. You can see a guy right from warm-up, he's not engaged, he's not ready to go, and it's it's tough because you want to give him an opportunity to show that, you know, he's better than he was in warm-up um, or even, you know, the first two or three minutes of the game, but sometimes you just see guys aren't engaged, aren't ready to go, so that's the challenge is to bring it every single night, um, and in practice it's the same thing. A guy will have a great week of practice, and then usually that leads to a, to an excellent performance um, in the game on the weekend, but then you know the next week, can he bring that same intensity, that same work ethic, or does he sit yeah, back? Or does he, he think he's done enough? Yeah. Um, so it's always wanting more, being hungry, um, and I think that that's the big challenge for these young kids. You know, they have a great performance, and now can they build on it and, and continue that throughout the rest of the season? Now you're the highest scoring U of A basketball player of all time. You started from your very first game as a freshman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, a lot of times when you say a high scorer in basketball, I, I find a lot of people say, well, he shoots the three, shoots the three. You were not a perimeter player. I, I mean, I can remember games where you probably didn't even try a three-pointer. Yeah. You got rebounds, you got in the paint, you got fouled, you shot from the line, and, and you were, you were you know, chip away. You're going to get your five or six points a quarter and have 20 to 25 by the end of the night. You had double-digit rebounds also every game. Where did that work ethic and commitment come from for you, where you had that maturity you know, right from a, a first-year player at the U of A? Um, I think it started in youth basketball when my parents decided to, to put me on a team with kids that were older. Um, so I was always talented as a young kid, but physically I was never at the same level as the other players. Uh, so in order to score, in order to be effective, there was no possessions off. There was no way to to not be trying my hardest at every on every single possession because... You know, that just my talent wouldn't carry over. 
Um, so I needed to work hard. I needed to make sure that I did the little things right every single time or else I was not going to be effective. And, you know, I was a very competitive kid. So, you know, I wanted to be able to, to put up some numbers and be effective at that young age. So for me to kind of play against the older players the better players i know i had to bring it every night or else i was going to get embarrassed it had to be work because talent wouldn't be enough talent or height or whatever sure got a text message from mark who says i went to high school with baker awesome ball player equally competent in the classroom (laughs) shout out to being an awesome friend and study partner in hudex ib math class am i saying that right yeah hudex yeah (laughs) i know exactly mark All right, uh, let's uh, let's take. Could you stick around because I want to let people know in a clinic you got going on because you're working hard to help the next generation of ball players. You got a few more minutes? Absolutely. Jordan Baker in studio, Inside Sports on Chet. This is Matt Hendricks from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 6:30. Chet. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. We have the Edmonton Oilers against the Sharks tomorrow. Big showdown. The two teams even with 93 points, two behind. Anaheim in the chase for first in the Pacific Division. Calgary is in fourth, three back of the Oilers and the Sharks. They're tied with L.A. 1-1 late in the first period. Still 4-0 Chicago over Pittsburgh. That is after two. Capitals and Avalanche still to come tonight. And the uh, Blues and Coyotes also coming up. That Oilers-Sharks game on Ched tomorrow, 5.30 for the Faceoff Show. The game will start at 7. My name is Reed Wilkins. Pleased to be joined in studio by former U of A Golden Bears basketball player Jordan Baker. He was telling some tales about his uh, pro career. A little derailed this year because of an injury, but uh, I know you're going to get back to that. In the meantime, helping with uh, Harry Ainley High School ball. And you got something exciting coming up next weekend, April 7th. Tonight, you're uh, you got a clinic named after you. Tell us yeah. about this. Um, this is going to be our third year um, running the Baker Elite Clinic, um, and the goal is just to bring some high quality coaches together. We've got some post secondary coaches. We've got some excellent high school coaches coming in um, for just a weekend of of compressed basketball training where kids can get exposed to some new ideas, some new techniques, and really we're trying to highlight you know the flaws in their game so that the, over the summer they can work on you know the things that they need to improve on yeah so uh is this the, can kids still sign up or is it full already or what's yeah, going on kids can can still sign up um they can go to the basketball Alberta website there's information on how to sign up there um baker elite clinic at gmail.com fire an email and we can get you all the information you need to register um it's from grades 7 to 12 so we've got a, a nice little age range um, and we've got a lot of things on the table. We've got some strength and conditioning coming in. We're going to do a yoga session this year. Oh, wow. Um, and we've got actually BioSteel is on, on board as a sponsor. So, you know, kids are going to get a shaker bottle, a water bottle. Um, there'll be BioSteel refueling stations and, and, and protein stations uh, throughout the weekend. So it's, it's going to be an awesome experience for, the, for those involved. And what's going on next Wednesday, April 5th? Next Wednesday um, is a, a new initiative this year. Uh, myself, as along with Basketball Alberta, we've we've taken it upon ourselves to, to kind of rekindle the high school basketball all-star games. We've got on April 5th, we've got a, a, a ladies game as well as a men's game um, at Harry Ainley High School. Uh, tip-off is 5.30 for the ladies, 7.30 for the guys. Um, and it's just going to be a, a $2 entry for anyone who's wanting to come out. But it's just a celebration of... You know everyone who's put a great effort, a great deal of effort into their season this year, and, and we want to reward those those graduating players as well as the new and up and coming ones. I mean, you're you're doing this to showcase the kids, but how important is it to also ensure that the top players are playing with and against the top players? Yeah, I mean, on a high school team, you may have two or three guys who are 
you know, really high quality players. Um, you know, no disrespect to the rest of the guys, but there's just not enough. But have a chance to play college or yeah. university. You know, yeah. there's just not enough kids in Edmonton to really, you know, have, you know, 50 guys who are going to go on to the next level. It just doesn't happen. Um, so to have those guys be able to come out and compete against each other and play with each other um, outside of, you know, a provincial team setting, it's going to be very low pressure. Guys are going to hopefully you know, show us what they can do, but it's going to be an awesome opportunity for them to, to have some fun and, you know, hopefully wrap up their season in a, in a positive way. All right, and you were telling me when we talked this afternoon, you got to go to Rogers Place for the first time recently? Yeah, yeah, I uh, was able to go to my first Oilers game in the new building uh, a couple weeks ago, so, and that was the 7-3 win. Against, against Boston? Uh, no, it was against... Dallas? Dallas. 7-1, baby. 7-1, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was... Uh, Definitely a great experience for my first game there. Dallas, a team that doesn't quite have that commitment level we were talking about earlier. Yeah. And historically, <laughs> you know, they're the team that when we were a playoff team, we would always see them in the first or second round, so it felt good to, you know, as a fan who's not exactly been the most loyal recently, uh, it was good to, to see them uh, take an L. Jordan, I, I appreciate you, you giving us an update on what you're up to. I mean, you're a great uh, success story locally and from the U of A. So, again, Basketball Alberta website, people can just Google it or Google Baker Elite, Elite Clinic and they'll yeah, get more absolutely. information. Thanks so much for coming in. I don't know if you can hear the vacuum. I guess that's our sign that uh, we got to get out of here. I think the, uh, the custodial crew ready to clean the old studio. So, oh, Wilkie's got to get out of the way. Thanks to Warren Mulvey, the studio producer this evening. Besides Jordan Baker, you heard from Tom Kekka, Kwame Ose from the Fort McMurray Sports Community, Bag Milk from OilersNation.com, Chris Sheets from the Kiss and Country Morning Show, former Oiler Fernando Pisani, and Stu McDonald, Chief Commercial Officer for the Oilers Entertainment Group, Zach Cassian. My talk with him after practice was on as well. Miss anything, go to the Inside Sports page on 630Ched.com. Warren Mulvey, the studio producer. Dave Campbell is the producer of the show. I'm back with you at 5.30 tomorrow for the Faceoff show to tee up the Oilers and the Sharks. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great night. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.